place to think Miss Connie Flea. And boy, ain't something to think about what must have gone through the heart and mind of that young girl Mary on that first Christmas as she gave birth to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Psalm 119, verse 65 is where I'll encourage you to turn with me today. Psalm 119, verse 65, and we'll be reading through verse 72. Psalm 119, verse 65 is where we'll pick up here in just a moment. I was thinking this morning as I awoke and prepared to start the day, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I first wake up, I, my first thought is, what day is it? Do y'all ever do that? What is today? You know, and of course, uh, you know, it's real, uh, comes to us quickly most of the time, but I also, after that, I think not just what day is it, what is today's date, and I realize, of course, today being December 27th, a special day in my mind because on this Sunday and on this day 33 years ago uh, was the day that uh, pastor stood before the church and handed me a certificate of license to the gospel ministry as a young 16 year old boy and I'm grateful to God for that I'd been at it a little while then but Lord willing if I live to March uh, I'll be able to celebrate 35 years of gospel ministry and and you know 27 plus of those as a pastor and I tell you I just don't deserve how good God has been to me and I guess we could all say that today amen so I want to say God bless you thank you for being here thank you for making it a priority and I trust you're praying for all of our brothers and sisters our friends our neighbors folks that are going through very difficult times right now and we just uh, we're all in it together thank God as God's children we never walk alone amen he's always with us and I'm grateful for that Psalm 119 verse 65 you found your place physically able let's stand together for honor and reverence to the reading of the word of God as we're reading of course it'll be on the screen it's on the front of the bulletin worship guide you got on the way in so you'll be have many avenues to follow along as we read the scripture together Psalm 119, verse 65. Notice what the Word of God says. It says, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but... I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you for your word today. I want to thank you for the power that it has to be able to change lives. I pray, Father, today that the word would speak mightily to our hearts. And God, we will respond as you lead us. And God, we will leave here today different as a result of being under the word of God. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. 
Today I'm speaking to you on the subject of the assets of affliction. You know, at the close of every year, we begin to go through a process of gathering up all of our records from this past year because we know that there's a date looming out there in the future called April the 15th, right? We love it, don't we? Uh, tax day, right? We, we know it's coming and we know that that deadline is important uh, because it's a date we have to have everything done, turned in and filed in order to stay in compliance with our government's laws concerning taxes. Well, a lot of people use a lot of different methods to do that and I told them in the early service, you know, many people get to use um, electronic means and maybe you're really computer savvy and you, you've got a program that does a lot of that for you and you punch it in month to month and week to week. At the end of the year, you can just hit a few buttons and point and click a little bit, print a few papers and you're good to go. But you know, I'm, I'm still a little bit old school on things because I... I, I have learned how to use Microsoft Word, and that's about it, amen, and I'm not really uh, into all those other things. Uh, my children know more about that than I do, and of course my wife does, but I, I, I still write a lot of things down and put things on paper and all that kind of stuff, and my bill list is still in a spiral notebook. I'm, I'm, real, I'm real up to date, right? But nevertheless, it works for me. You know, I mean, it keeps me on target. It works for me. And, and whatever works for you is good because it's helpful. But that process is something we all have to go through each year. And by that, we understand the difference between an asset and a liability. We know that assets are something that adds value uh, while liabilities are something that subtract value. They don't add to, they take away. And in relational terms, an asset is often viewed as a blessing where a liability can be viewed as a burden. Well, we do know the difference. See, the scriptures teach us of the goodness of God and teach us that God is constantly working on behalf of our good, even when we don't recognize it. We all know what Paul said in Romans 8, 28, where he said that all things work to good for those who are the called according to his purpose. We know that God is working for our good even when we can't see it. The Hebrew word that is, used, that is translated in this passage, there's a Hebrew word used six times, and, and it's used six times in the eight verses that we read, and it's translated in English as good, pleasant, beneficial, precious, delightful, and right. Uh, we see how that word is used over and over to remind us of the goodness of God. And Warren Wiersbe said this, he says, God does what is good because God is good. Did you hear that? God does what is good because God is good. And what he does according to his word and his word is good. Neither his character or his word will ever change because God is good all the time and we know all the time God is good. So we don't always generally translate or view affliction as something that would be good or positive. Why would God allow affliction? Why would God allow difficulty 
into the lives of those who serve him. I'll never forget years ago, I heard D. James Kennedy answering the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And his answer was, it's because really there are no good people. You say, well, that's kind of mean and harsh, but now think about it. It doesn't mean there aren't people who make good moral decisions and, and do things according to the Word of God as best as possible. He was just saying, as the Word of God tells us, that in our flesh dwells no good thing. So in and of ourselves, we are not good, but we can do good because of God who lives within the heart of every believer. So why would God allow these things to happen? Why does God allow affliction into the lives of those that serve him? Well, the psalmist, as he is writing here in Psalm 119, he is surrounded by his enemies. And those who are his enemies are trying to make his life miserable. When we think of enemies, sometimes we think of flesh and blood, but the Bible teaches us in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood is not our enemy. But we realize that our enemy is, is powers and principalities and rulers of this world and darkness in high places. So these folks and these people who were surrounding the psalmist were trying <laughs> to make his life miserable. Yet I want you to realize that these difficulties that the psalmist encountered proved to be assets in his relationship with God. So as we walk through this text for just a little bit, I want us to put ourselves in the place of the psalmist, see ourselves in the situation that he was in, and realize that we too are all in a battle, we all face affliction, and how we respond to that affliction is very important to how God advances us and uses us in the future for his glory. Notice with me, if you will, first of all, that he begins by talking about a deeper relationship. One of the assets of affliction is that we have a deeper relationship with God. Notice what he said in verse 65. He said, you have dealt well with your servant. Now that's an important thing. Where he says that you have dealt well with your servant reminds us that even when things go wrong, all is well. I, I like what John Phillips said about this. He said the constant gnawing of adverse circumstances can wear down even the most committed believer. Uh, we were talking in the prayer room this morning before the first service about how if, if God would have told us on March the 15th that we would experience the next nine and a half months of this year like we have, we'd have all dug a hole and hid. When we realized on March 15th that we were going to need to go through a period of shutdown and all this kind of stuff and, and begin to learn a new normal, we all really expected that to last about three or four weeks. It really did. And when it began to linger on and linger on and linger on and then is still with us in a very real way and probably far more severe locally now than it was then. When we see that now, if God had shown us all of this then, we would have dug a hole and hid. But what he had to do was allow us to live through it and walk through it and experience these things. So 
yeah, it's this constant gnawing of affliction and adversity. It can wear down even the most committed believer. And John Phillips goes on to say this, Yet as the constant washing of water smooths the pebbles and the constant wearing of sand rounds the ragged edges off the roughest rocks, so the unrelenting adversities of the psalmist were doing their work of polishing and refining his soul. It's because he dealt with God on a very personal level. He had a deep relationship that involved a personal investment. What God was doing, to echo the words of John Phillips, is he was doing the work of polishing and refining his soul. I know throughout this year I can't count the times that I have reflected upon how God has used the circumstances that I have encountered and that we have encountered together to remind us of that. The fact that, you know, we now have to meet in, in multiple services because of social distancing and stuff, it's heartbreaking because I hear people say, I never get to see this person. I never get to see that person. And, and I understand that. And it's difficult, but we're doing what we have to do in order to keep people together because you were built for relationships. Now, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what might be ahead of us. But as best we know how, we want to do everything we can to help people continue to make that personal investment in one another as God makes a personal investment in us. When he talks about the work of affliction, it reminds us of how God used affliction in the scriptures to be able to refine and polish the lives of his servants just as he is doing you and I. He did that with Joseph and he persevered for the health and the, and the longevity of a nation. He afflicted Hannah, and she was exalted in the Lord and gave birth to Samuel, who became a judge and a prophet. I'd say that's pretty important. Job was afflicted, and at the end of his life, God gave him twice as much as he ever had before. The affliction process, based on Job's response, if you remember, he was even encouraged by his own wife to curse God and die. But instead, he stayed true. He said, I didn't bring anything into this world. I'm not going to take anything out of this world. Naked I came, naked I shall return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If we've learned anything this year, that should show us. Amen? How quickly things can change. Paul was afflicted. And he said that God's strength was made perfect in his weakness. He said, I had a thorn in my flesh, and I asked God to take it away three times. And he said, son, my grace is sufficient for you. Ladies and gentlemen, can I submit to you today that in the midst of intense affliction, let us never forget that God's grace is sufficient for every circumstance we would ever face. You say, I don't see it. I can't get my arms around it. I don't believe it. I'm telling you, just trust Him even in the dark. He made a personal investment. But He also gives us some powerful information. Notice that in verse 66. He says, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. Here's what he's teaching him to do. He's teaching him to trust him. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that trust is something that's very important between brothers and sisters in Christ. 
But the trust that you and I can have in one another must be based upon the ultimate trust we place in God. Here's what he means. When the psalmist said, for I believe your commandments, here's what he's saying. He's saying, I must believe, rely upon, and trust in the word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me today. If there's anything I can tell you moving forward out of 2020 into 21 is that as you move forward, you must believe, rely upon, and trust in the Word of God. Some men trust in chariots and horses, the Scripture says, but we will put our trust in the Lord. All of our hope, all of our strength, everything that we have comes from Him. I believe that's very important. I read this and I believe it's good. It says, the character of the teacher adds strength to the instructions that he imparts to his pupils. Amen? The character of a teacher adds strength to the instruction that he or she imparts to their pupils. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what he's saying. I can trust in you, God, because I have found you to be true in every situation, in every circumstance. He says, teach me good judgment and knowledge. Let's talk about the difference between those two. Good judgment can be defined as discernment. I, I tell you, we all realize, and, and, and it, those of you that have been married for a long time, like me, since I was about six years old, uh, yeah, we've been married 30 years. So yeah, we were six when we got married, yeah. Uh, but anyhow, because I'm not but 36 today, but I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've learned that what God does is God gives you, and if you seek the word of God, God gives you somebody to help be strong where you're weak. Could somebody say amen to that? Okay, just checking, all right? Just seeing anybody's with me, all right? He gives you somebody to help be strong where you're weak. Let me tell you a great weakness I've had in my lifetime, okay? Um, and I've got many of them. Some of you would say you have few weaknesses, but that's probably not true. We've all got a lot of weaknesses, and here's one of mine. Earlier in years of ministry, I was, I was too trusty, okay? I, I did what Timothy did. I trusted too soon sometimes, and I got burnt over and over and over. But what God did for me is he gave me a wife, help me, who's very discerning. She's quiet. Quiet people, they know you, right? See, people like me, extroverted, I, I, I'm just weird. But God put her in my life, and she's helped me so much over the years. Never been critical, not critical of anybody, but just reminded me sometimes, hey, slow down, take your time, listen, you just back up, Hoss. I mean, because... I just wanted to believe that people were real and that people really meant what they said and said what they meant. I just wanted to, I really have always wanted to believe in people so bad that sometimes I believe too much, too fast, too early, and there was a price to be paid for that. But God put her in my life. She's helped me with discernment. I could give you time after time how that's happened. And not only does God put people in our life there, but for the child of God, the Holy Spirit helps us. But he also talked about knowledge. And knowledge is this, that which is gained by experience. Wow. Has experience taught anybody anything in this house today? It sure has me. 
I don't have a lot of knowledge. <laughs> I, I may not have a lot of good judgment, but I've got a lot of experience. I can tell you that and tell you a lot of experiences that God has used to teach me tremendous things that have been a blessing and helped in my life. So the psalmist said one of the assets of affliction is that we have a deeper relationship. We have a personal investment from God. He gives us powerful information. Notice the second thing with me is he talks about divine respect in verse 67 and 68. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Wait a minute. He said, I was drifting out there, and then affliction came my way. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But then he said this, but now I keep your word. Now, now think about this. The, the psalmist was saying, there was a time in my life that I knew what was right, I knew how to do right, how to walk right, act right, fly right, and talk right, but I began to stray and drift, and during my time of drifting and straying, affliction came into my life. As a nation, I don't know if you've picked up on this, but we've drifted pretty far from the principles for which we were founded upon. There is a straying is a nice word for it. And because of the stray and the drift and the constant rebellion to walk away from God, now, ladies and gentlemen, we have experiencing a time of intense affliction that I truly believe can be a tool that God could use to bring repentance to the church and to the country. Amen? Now, here's what the psalmist is saying. In my time of straying, I experienced affliction, and here's what affliction taught me. Affliction taught me to trust God, taught me to repent of my sin, and taught me to come home to Him and to conform to His will. I believe that's what God is trying to teach us today, and here's what God did. He used affliction in the psalmist's life to teach him what he needed in order to live in victory. It's, it's so important we understand that because affliction is divinely designed to keep God's people close to him. Oh, we all would love to live a life that was free of affliction and free of any sort of difficulty, but if we did, wouldn't it be easy to stray? Wouldn't it be easy to drift? But you know what affliction does? Affliction constantly reminds us that God is in charge and that we need Him. I don't know about you, but I need Him. I can't go a step without Him. I don't want to go anywhere without Him because if I'm without Him, I'm trusting my own self, I'm left to my own devices, and I know what a mess I can make. And I will help you. Without Him, you can make a mess too. <laughs> but with Him, we can walk in victory. He's talking about correction from God and then he talks about the character of God in verse 68. He says, you are good, and you do good. Teach me your statutes. I was telling them in the first service this morning, I left the house, got here about 7.30, and I was, I was jamming coming up Raw Street, okay? You know what jamming is? What do young people call it now? What do y'all call jamming now? Having a big time. I don't know. But I, I was jamming. I had... You know, there's a lot, and, and, and it came up on my Spotify. 
all of a sudden I got this new one, Favorite Songs of 2020. And it was a bunch of songs that I've listened to this year that have really ministered to my heart and got me through, helped me get through some days. Has anybody ever had some songs from that testify of God's grace and goodness to help get you through? Did me, so I'm jamming. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Man, I'm just saying, I got here and opened the truck door. I turned the thing wide open. Me and Jesus out there in the parking lot, right? I mean, I don't care. I mean, I'm, I, you know what? Sometimes you just need to get like David and you just need to get beside yourself and just get unashamed to give God praise and glory. I didn't care who was watching. Amen? I might be on the news next week. I don't know. But I was standing out here and I'm just praising God and I'm singing. And then all of a sudden, the song changed and there was Selah. I like Selah. I don't know if you like that. And they started singing my favorite hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. Man, I was just having a spell. And all of a sudden... I said, ooh, i got to get in and get my stuff together. And I realized I left my book bag at home. I had to go back to the house. <laughs> I was so excited about it. I just forgot it. I had to go back. I said, you know what it did? It proved that it's me. But uh, sometimes we just need to realize that God puts people, God puts scripture, God puts songs in our life to help us get through the affliction. Hmm. And I'm so grateful. And can I say this? There are so many of you, so many of you that have prayed, so many of you that have encouraged, so many of you that when thoughts of you came to my mind through this difficult time, it has brought great encouragement to my soul. You know what I thank God for? I said, God, if I was anywhere on the planet today, in this time right here, you've allowed me to be with people that I love, people that are precious, people that mean so much, and some have been so much for so many years. God, you're just so good. I, I know that's not Baptist, amen, to get out there and dance around the parking lot of Jesus, but I'm telling you right now, it do you good, amen. Just give God glory. He's been good. You say, well, that's just not me. I'm just not very expressive. I guarantee y'all, what is it? What Thursday night. Is it Thursday or Friday night? Isn't that January 1st, Friday night? Do we play the early game Friday, 3 o'clock? We play the early game? Good, because I can't take another late one. They... When I say we, that's 80% of y'all are old tired. Amen. Look here. Look here. Here, here, here. There are some of you Baptists that are so unexpressive that are going to be on your knees at the coffee table saying, Oh, God, please don't let us lose to them, Iris. You're going to get expressive because it may. You know what? I'm going to be expressive with you. I mean, I'm walking, man. I'm coaching. I'm, I'm, I'm at it, man. I'm telling you right now. I mean, I was over there the other night, and we sent out a slow linebacker to cover one of them wideouts, and I'm like, don't put the linebacker on the wideout. And guess what they did? Threw a touchdown. I, I called it. From my living room, I called it. And I don't even get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to figure that out, right? No, no, no. We get expressive about what matters to us. 
God help us to be expressive about a king who went to a cross, who got up from the dead. If we can't get expressive about that, God help us what's wrong with us. Just a thought, amen. Just a thought. He said, I can base everything I have on your character because you are good. God help us. Divine respect. Now, let me move on. I got to get this so we won't. He also talks about a devious resistance. Look at verse 69. He says, The proud of force will lie against me, but I will keep your precepts. Look here. With 50% of my heart. No, that ain't what it says, is it? No, no, he said, I will keep it with my whole heart. Now, here's what I know whole is. Whole means 100%. It means totally undivided, and it means completely committed to the cause. Here's what he's saying when he says, have forged a lie against me. That word forged is important. Here's what it means. It means that they have patched together. They have manufactured. They have willful intent to misrepresent the facts. He's saying, I am surrounded by some people who are lying. I am surrounded by some people who are misrepresenting me. I am surrounded by some people who are trying to make my life miserable. Well, who are these people? Well, he calls them the proud. Here's what I've learned about the proud. There are plenty of them to go around. Satan got a bunch of those in his disposal. They don't all reside in the world. Sometimes they take up residence on the pew. Are you with me? And are willing to do the dirty work of the enemy without any reservation whatsoever. And here's what the psalmist was saying. These proud people, they're manufacturing and misrepresenting the facts. They're coming after me. So what does he do? Does he bow up? Does he get a bigger stick? Does he figure out a way to combat them? Oh, no, no. Look what he did there. He said, but, verse 69, I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. You know what he's saying? Instead of retaliating against the attacks of the enemy, I will just seek to f seek your face so that my life and heart will be conformed by your word to accomplish your will. He says, you know what I'm going to do? In this difficulty, I'm just going to chase after the will and the word of God. Isn't that good stuff? He's saying, I'm not going to get caught up in something that I cannot do anything about. I'm just going to focus on being more like Jesus. I always thought it was interesting how it said this. He said, their hearts are as fat as grease. We know what grease is here in the South, don't we? I cooked breakfast on Christmas morning. Sure did. Sausage links. Bacon. The good kind. Scrambled eggs. And I was going to make the gravy. I 
hadn't had gravy in a long time. And you know, gravy used to be a beverage for me. <laughs> so anyhow, my girl's like, no, because I was going to make gravy the way Grandma used to, with the grease from the bacon and some meal and some flour. But my girls make gravy this way. They get these little packets that don't taste like gravy. I don't care what kind of black pepper they put in it. That stuff ain't no good unless you put the grease to it, amen, right? That's not what's good for us, is it? He said that these that are attacking him, though, he gives us a word picture. He is still a straight, says their hearts are as fat as grease. And here's what that means. It means that these people are people without any feelings this word was often used to describe their prosperity and because they were so prosperous they lived in a level of luxury where every desire they had was gratified and they lost feelings for those outside and they were insensitive to the needs of others now isn't that amazing he's saying these people right here they're just out of touch. They don't have any feelings toward those who are without. I want to tell you, I don't want to be that person to you. And you know what? If you live for God in this world, you will encounter people like that. You will, who are insensitive and don't care and have no thought about what they do or say and how it will affect other people. If you're a child of God, that can't be you. Oh, they made some imitation claims. They made up some lies. They were an insensitive crowd. We read about that in verse 70. But notice with me finally, the psalmist had a decisive realization. He said, it's good for me that I was afflicted. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but that's the most amazing part of this passage to me is that he gets down here to the last part of this stanza and he says, hey, this affliction was good. You know, I told y'all last week of December I've been battling this poison oak in December I've never had poison oak in December I'm fixing to get me some voodoo oil or something I'm telling you what this stuff the doctor gave me is not working too good it, I, I think it's feeding it <laughs> but anyhow <laughs> it's an affliction and it's not been very exciting it's not been something that I would say has been good but here's what the psalmist was saying about his affliction he was saying it was good for me because I was straying from the person you called me to be. I was straying from the person you saved me to be and you used affliction to bring me right back into the right relationship with you. Friend, hear me. Affliction can be good if it brings us to repentance. Amen? That's what he was saying. It's important we never, ever miss that. And then he said this. He said, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. He doesn't just teach us about the purpose of pain. He teaches us of the profit of pain. He's saying, I'm going to be better for this because of what you let me experience. Here's what Spurgeon said. He said, the promises of God shine the brightest in the furnace of affliction. Let me say it again. The promises of God shine the brightest in the furnace of affliction. Now, let me leave you with this. 
When I think about the word affliction, my mind is drawn to two passages of Scripture every time, automatically. The first is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and the second is Romans chapter 8. And I want to share with you what the Apostle Paul said on both circumstances because this can help us because, friend, I'd like to tell you that at midnight on Thursday night that when the calendar changes, that all of the problems we've experienced in 2020 will dissipate. But that would not be What I can tell you is, is that regardless of how long or regardless of how deep or how far, there's a purpose behind this and we will not experience it by ourselves. Here's what Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. He says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Well, let's just talk about that just for a minute. Our light affliction. I, I bet if we all took a vote this morning, we would not say that the afflictions of our community our county, our country, and the world for this year could be considered light in comparison to the rest of our days. But here's the comparison. It's not based on our days. It's based on what Jesus went through on Calvary's cross. See, the affliction that he went through was far greater than anything you and I will ever experience. He says, for our light affliction, here's what he's saying, it is but for a moment. It don't seem like a moment, but in light and scope of eternity, it's for a moment. And here's what it's doing. It's working for you, not against you. It's working for you, not against you. It's working for you a far and exceeding more eternal weight of glory because it's not temporary, it's eternal. Here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. He said, I do not consider the afflictions of this life are worthy to be compared for the glory that shall be revealed in us. He's saying, what I'm going through, and Paul, look here, you can read, he went through a bunch. I mean, beat with 39 stripes, left for dead, shipwrecked, snake bit, everything. I mean, he had them coming out, I mean, over and over. And it, you know what it was for? Because he stood for the word of God. And he said, all of that affliction and all of this stuff, I do not consider it to be worthy to be compared with the, with the glory that shall be revealed. Friend, I want to tell you, if there's one thing that's going to help us continue to move forward and continue to persevere and continue to be productive and faithful to the finish, it's going to be when we realize that what we go through is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name,
I just want to thank you for your word today. I want to thank you for how your word challenges me. And I want to thank you for how it's changed me. I want to thank you, Father, for how you spoke to me through it and how you've instructed my heart. And God, I pray, help me to become more like your son, Jesus. Father, I pray right now in this room that every person would realize that what you're doing is for our good. How you're working is for our benefit. And that the affliction is meant to bring us into right relationship with you. God, you are good, as the psalmist said. And we are so grateful that it's about your goodness and not ours. Thank you for teaching us your precepts. May we constantly demonstrate the truth that has been imparted to us. And God, I want to give you praise right now for that. Jesus name amen and amen hey I want you to look this way a minute or two before we dismiss a couple of things I want to mention to you one thing I would encourage you to do each week now since we've been able to start printing stuff again is just remove that um, perforated section from your worship guide and I want you to use it for a variety of reasons and let me just walk you through that First of all, if you're our guest today, please take a moment and fill that out so we could have a record of your get, your visit. And there are offering buckets at both doors, and you can just drop it in on your way out. Nobody's going to handcuff you or grab you and hold you for ransom or nothing like that. So just we'd appreciate you doing that. Secondly, if you have prayer requests or praise reports, please, please, this is a wonderful way for you to share prayer requests that can be taken straight from these cards placed on the war room wall. Praise reports can be placed on the answered prayer walls. And folks who come through during the week, Sundays and Wednesdays and any other time during the week, who pick up those prayer requests, who take those prayer requests down and, and pray over those things, they can join you in praying for that, okay? So don't forget that. That's a great opportunity for you to share your prayer requests, praise reports. Also, if you would like information about a ministry if you have a decision you need to make uh, if you are a, not a follower of Jesus and but you want to be or you realize your need of eternal salvation you please know we'll be glad to contact you be glad to talk to you we stay here every Sunday don't think we're gonna run from you even though we're in this we we're here for you you being right with God matters more than anything to me so do remember that. If you have any questions, you can just drop that in. If you just need us to contact you, leave us some contact information, we'll be glad to do that because that means so much to us. For our church family, I remind you, whether you're watching online or you're here in person, let's finish 2020 strong in giving today. I've told you, of course, Lottie Moon and all that kind of stuff that we're winding up for international missions. But just your commitment to regularly, systematically, and faithfully giving has made a tremendous uh, effect and impact throughout this year. God is good. He's used you, and I want you to continue to let him do that. As you give faithfully, here's what happens. We continue to follow the vision God placed in our heart regardless of the circumstances. Amen? And we continue to touch lives and impact people for God and for good. We continue to feed hungry people, clothe people, uh, provide uh, uh, 
for our church partners in Utah and all sorts of that, people right here in our own community and around the world. I mean, it's just amazing how God is using churches and regular people like us to make a, such an impact in the world. So please continue. You can give on your way out. You can give online through the website, the tithe.ly app. You can mail in. Whatever's easiest for you. But let's finish this month strong. Let's start 2021 strong. And let's just trust God to do more through us than we ever thought, thought possible. Amen? Joseph probably thought his life was over when those boys threw him in that pit. Didn't he? His own brother. Probably thought it was over. Probably thought it was over when Potiphar's wife lied on him too. Probably thought he was done. But every time God gave him favor because he stayed faithful. Amen? Listen, he's going to do the same for me and you. And I just want you to know that. God loves you. I love you. There's not a thing you can do about it. Amen? Let's stand together. Marty going to sing us out. You ready to go, Martin? All right, buddy.